Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello, and welcome to this EM360 podcast. My name is Susan Walsh. I'm the fixer of Dirty Data, and I'm delighted to be your host on this podcast. I'm the founder and MD of The Classification Guru, a specialist in data classification, taxonomy, customization, and data cleansing. In today's podcast, I'll be speaking with Don Murray, president at Safe Software. We'll be talking about digital twins and their role within the data space, plus how they relate to spatial data and their value in different industries. Welcome, Don. How are you? I'm great. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. These are always very enjoyable. I love our conversations. They're always fascinating and full of insights, and I can't wait to get started on today's But just in case anyone hasn't heard our first podcast, why don't you just introduce yourself, tell everyone a little bit about about yourself and Safe Software. Sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So my name is Don Murray. I'm one of the founders of Safe Software and Safe Software is a company that has been working for over 25 years on helping people work with data, um, get value from their data, help them make decisions um, using using data. Um, we started up you working on purely the spatial side of things. So this would be data that's important to utilities with infrastructure, local governments, and uh, anything that had a spatial component is where we've started. And um, we're excited about this space. I just spend all my time thinking about data. And uh, so I'm happy to, to be here. Okay, so in our first conversation, we did speak about the evolution of data, and you do have such a great, vast range of experience. So can you again give us a brief recap of some of the challenges and and what you're seeing within the data space? Yeah, absolutely. When we started, um, we were really focused on spatial data and helping organizations like utilities and forest companies and the government um, interchange information about you know, assets, assets on the ground. And, um, and over time, we've been very fortunate that spatial data um, in general has continued to grow. Um, it's become applicable to more and more business. And, um, and also at the same time, our technology stack has grown to encompass all types of data. So spatial data and, uh, and beyond, we call it. And, and um, this is, it's a super exciting space. The Economist a few years ago um, stated that oil was um, data was now the you know more important to the economy than oil and um, and now we're seeing data is more important to you know to business to society and life the world today requires good informed decisions we have some you know very very critical things we have to decide and the only way to make better decisions is to make it with you know data good clean accurate data um, that really is the um, you know, the only the only way forward. And there's so many different types of data now. There's real-time data, there's IoT data, there's data from devices, applications, you have data about users, buyers, you name it. And to business, you know, being able to make those important decisions by data give you a strategic advantage. And, um, and one of the things we're really excited about data is it's not just being able to read one type of data. The real magic happens when you start to integrate the data and combine it in interesting ways, sort of like elements on a periodic table. The elements themselves are interesting, but when you start mixing them is when the real, the real magic happens. And one of the, the tr- new things we've seen is this new coming together of what people are calling digital twins. And that's all about bringing different types of data together. Yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of one of the new buzzwords, isn't it? I was going to ask you about that because I think 
it, it would be good to actually get a definition from you of, of what that is and, and where it might be used and how it might be used. Yeah, digital twins is interesting. And um, if you go online and look at a bunch of definitions, you're going to see it means different things to different people, uh, you know, often with the view that they're coming with with their industry. Um, it can be it, a digital twin or digital model is simply a representation of something or some process, real, imagined, or planned. So it can be as simple as IKEA furniture. Now with IKEA furniture, you can go and pick your sofa and um, you can see what it's going to look like and the color in your space to make sure it actually fits. Oh, that's dangerous. Yes, it is. <laughs> and um, and other things have come along to support this digital, these digital twins or digital models. Augmented reality is one of the big pieces because, of course, if you have a digital twin and you have no way to visualize it, then it's not really too too useful. So those sorts of things. We've also seen digital twins help make really critical decisions. So the airport near Las Vegas, Las Vegas you know, clearly depends on its airport. There was a plan to put a building um, near the airport and the airport was able to take the digital twin of that building and show that it actually intersected the digital twin visualization of the airspace. And so if they had to put that building up, it would have drastically reduced the air traffic in and out of that airport. So this is, you know, just again, a way that a digital twin was used to make better decisions um, rather than, you know, before digital twins, it might've been built. And then later they would have discovered that they, you know, they had a problem. Uh, and how are you using, are you using digital twins in your business? And if so, how are you using them? Yeah, yeah, we are. We, we recently, um, before COVID, we moved into a new building and we were able to build digital twins of the space to show our staff what it's going to look like and as yeah and as buildings go up and and actually every day I drive to work I have a digital twin in my car and um, if anybody has a Tesla they'll notice on their big screen there's this digital twin of that shows all the cars around you in real time and and that's you know that's a good example a digital twin doesn't have to be super high fidelity or super realistic it just has to have enough information to you know to convey the information you know that you know that it wants and that car can tell you if it's a person if it's a motorcycle car truck and things like that so that's just another example of where you know you can use digital twins and we're seeing them all over we're seeing them in wind farms we're seeing them you know and the digital twin for a wind farm wouldn't just be of the wind um tower but also digital twin models of the wind wow so it sounds like it's it's actually in our everyday lives Mm -hmm. and we might not even realize it yep that's right and uh you know i don't know if anybody um you know has recently been looking to buy real estate but uh, condo, it's expensive. Often, yeah, it is expensive in <laughs> Vancouver too. And often now you can actually walk through the, the place in a digital twin model from your computer without even having to go to, to see it in, in person. That can greatly... I guess, actually, think about it. Um, I guess interior designers and things have been using yeah. digital twins for decades, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. How do you, like, what does it take to create a digital twin? How do you even go about knowing how to or start one, build one? or? Yeah, yeah. And again, it comes back to, to data. You need, um, you know, you need to be able to have access to the data. And it takes a lot of data. It takes different types of data. 
takes, you know, for a building, for example, you would have to have, you know, where the building is, its height, all those sorts of things. But then you also want, you know, essentially you use that spatial model as the the fabric in which you can attach other pieces of, of information. So, you know, you may have a model and then you want to say, what is the material here? And, and you can label things. And actually, as the fixer of dirty data, I'm just going to say at this point that you need to have your measurements right. You need yes. to have your categorizations yes. right. Yes. Um, you know, you can't put grass on the wall, you know, make no. sure you've, you've got everything nice and clean before you start Absolutely. these things. Yeah, no, and, and and that's absolutely right. And and um, when one of the things we did was we worked with Apple on their indoor mapping. There's a format called IMDF, indoor mapping data format. And the format itself is really simple. It's just simple JSON. But to build the actual digital twin of that, you had to follow all these semantic rules. And that was really the intelligence of that model so that, you know, because it, rooms can't be, you know, two inches by two inches, right? They, there's a certain space and there's certain rules that have to be. So the data quality is something that you can never overlook and is often the where people spend a great deal of time. Um, and, and sometimes it's just the data was collected for one purpose and then you're trying to repurpose it and it doesn't quite, quite fit. So, yeah. Yeah. What kind of technology do we need to build digital twins? I guess um, as a not a, not a digital twin expert, is is it all in a screen or in an iPad or is it's all in a computer? It's like a just a digital version of of real life. But even though it looks like super easy to just replicate, I'm quite sure it's not. No, it's not. And, and and this is what's really exciting because um, the digital twins, make digital twins really effective for making decisions. It's the intersection of three different technologies coming together. Like one of them is uh, the need for, you know, people typically want to view a digital twin in situ, so in, in the real world. And so you need high speed mobile bandwidth. And so now, you know, you just look at these devices that we call phones. I can't remember the last time I actually took a call on one. But they're really these amazing high-speed um, devices that have the ability to work with 3D models right in them, and that's um, you know augmented reality is really a key a key feature because then you can take you know the digital twin you make, and then you don't need to represent the entire model. You can just represent the pieces that are important. So for an utility, you might represent just where the pipes are, the infrastructure in the ground, and using these devices now you can see them you know, where they really are. Um, and for dis- disasters, we recently had big floods in Vancouver. And one of the things they want to know is, where is that manhole, even when it's under, you know, three feet of mud? And again, a digital twin coupled with this technology can really, really help. So the first thing is, you know, you know, mobile bandwidth, you need these powerful processing that's in people's hands for AR. And then cloud technology, of course, with its ability to distribute this data anywhere and have, you know, this whole elasticity and be able to just serve, you know, many, many people. But um, I would say that digital twins are useful, but digital twins with AR and VR are just really amazing because now people can be immersed or experience their data. And what's prompted this, what feels like a little bit of an explosion of digital twins? We're seeing them everywhere. Has technology changed or... Has it just become more commonplace? Um, do you know why 
Yeah, I, I mean, the price of sensors has it just absolutely plummeted. Even even LiDAR sensors, which you can put on a car and drive, um, the price of those has gone down by a couple orders of magnitude. We now have satellites taking photos of the entire Earth every single day. And so that's driven down the cost of the data. And, um, you know, and those are just, and the phones, everybody's now walking around with real-time sensors. So we always know exactly where we are and we take pictures of everything. And, um, and really it's just this, the proliferation of data. And now when all we, with all this data, people are saying, how can I use it? Right. And, and it can be used in, you know, medicine. You now have surgeons who can actually walk through an entire procedure for an operation before they do it again, gaining insight, reducing risk, you know, in all sorts of things. So you can take a digital 3d model of somebody's heart. And while everybody's heart is similar, there are always differences in where the veins are and things like that. So now a surgeon can literally go in and, and with digital twin of the heart actually use that to, you know, ensure, you know, a better, a better income. And, um, and then and of course, gaming is a big one. You know, like we all remember the first Pokemon, you know, digital twin characters that uh, that people Pokemon Go that people um, played. Uh, yeah, I've got some friends that do geocaching. Yes, I guess yeah. maybe that helps with that. But yeah. it sounds like there are, there are some really amazing uses for digital twins that are coming down the line. I mean, how how do you see this moving forward in the future? What are the opportunities? Yeah, I see it um, in all um, sorts of business. We know that uh, for utility companies, for example, even people in the street, they when they're going, their forces in the street, they can walk down the street. And as they shine their, um, you know, they put their iPad on people's houses, they can they can give a different color about how happy that customer is. And that really can improve customer service because if, you know, if you go to a house and the, the customer is generally happy, you can expect to be greeted differently than if you go to a different house and, you know, there's been problems with their connection, you know, their service isn't, has been where you would want it. And you can, you know, as a service representative, you can prepare. So again, giving you insight into the situation you're in before you even before you even get started. And yeah, you could say, well, should, couldn't they just look up the address on a spreadsheet and figure it out? And the answer is yes, but the cognitive load is much less if you can just, you know, as you're looking to see and get information about, you know, about things. Um, yeah. And um, utility companies, city governments, running better governments, um, engaging citizens um, so they can actually see what a development's going to look like, what it's going to do to their neighborhood, good and bad. Um um, because people don't like surprises, and if you can show them what something's going to be when it's finished, then they can, you know, the conversation can be um, at a different level. Yeah. How do you think it might affect, let's say, the workplace, or you know, me as a just a person in my house? Uh, is it going to be more kind of like shopping and trying furniture in my apartment? Or yeah, there's going to be like all that? sorts of things. You could even, you know, you'll be even able to look at clothes and um and rather than have to go to the store and try them on you could you could you know visually look at yourself and see how it looks hats things like that and again this whole the whole experience is just gonna you know completely completely change and um and and the end at the the goal really is making it easier for people to make informed decisions yeah it's fascinating so how 
how is this technology developing? Is it, is it still in its infancy? Do you think we're going to see more, I guess, augmented as well as just 2D? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. We see the, um, you know, the big, the big vendors really getting behind it. So we see Apple, of course, we see Google, they both have, you know, this whole augmented reality, i.e. being able to visualize digital twins on their devices. We see these big digital twin initiatives by the big cloud vendors like um, Amazon and Google and um, Microsoft Azure. Um, And again, lots of data their cloud vendors, they want the data on their cloud platform so that then they can serve up this, these digital twins to, you know, to the masses. We're seeing comp- countries build entire digital city twins or digital twins of their cities um, with Japan and Germany being two of the countries that um, I've seen that it's just amazing right down to the detail of the, of the outside, what the buildings look like. Um, we're seeing digital twins for devices like escalators and elevators and companies are, you know, again, being able for somebody who's servicing a piece of equipment to see see the labels right on the device um, is can really, really save them time. It's one thing to look on a manual and say, you know, remove this cover. It's quite another thing to actually have the device show you exactly where the pieces are and how to get access to as you're working. So um, I, I bet that'd be great for building furniture in the future at home as well. You know, I don't know about you, but so I buy some furniture and it's got the worst instructions. But actually, if we could see a virtual, a, a digital twin of how it should look, that might help. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I didn't think about that. But yeah, you know, in these digital twin instructions on how to build things that you buy, right? Like sometimes they're they're multilingual in the senses they just show you what it looks like when it's together. Yeah, we've we've all finished something with extra screws or yes, buttons exactly, or yeah. Exactly, so it would yeah. help people. Um and then also you wouldn't even need to do like um I'm thinking instructions in different languages because it would save the cost. That's absolutely, absolutely. So we're just going to see it sort of bleed in. And I don't even think we're even going to notice it in many sense, sort of like that Tesla app for everybody with a Tesla. You know, I bet most people didn't really even think of it as a digital twin. We just see it as a visualization of the world around us. And and we're going to see that. We're going to see that more and more going forward. It's a super exciting space. Yeah, it sounds like we are just not even going to think of it as a digital twin. It's just going to be integrated into our lives. Yeah, and the, and the key thing behind it all is data and this ability to have to integrate multiple pieces of data together in order to create this, you know, this experiential experience of something that's real, imagined, or or maybe it was in the past. So we've seen digital twins of encampments or old castles and things like that. So that, again, people can then go there and see where they were and gain an understanding of what they looked like and, um, you know, in the past. And it's not that anybody's ever going to, it's not nothing real or imagined places. You can have digital twins of these imagined places. Digital twin historic tours. There's a, yes, there's a new business exactly, idea for exactly, you. Exactly, yeah, yeah. But... It's it's obviously going, got to be more accessible for everyone. And, you know, there's tools like FME out there that are making it more accessible. Um, how are they making it more accessible? Yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's exactly it. And that's where, you know, Apple and Google with the devices so people can get access to it. And the cloud technology drives down the cost. 
and then um, and then the people who are actually consuming it don't even think about it. It just becomes part of the the fabric of every of everyday life, right? And that's what's exciting with all this data being collected is it's driving down the cost of data. An image of the Earth used to be terribly expensive. You had to have you know, great, great reason to purchase a, you know, an, an, a square image a mile by a mile of the surface. Now it's, it's being collected every day by so many different systems. It's, it's, this data is essentially, um, essentially free. Yeah. And actually I'm thinking as well, you know, 20 years ago when I first started my career, I had to use maps to get around. Yes. Now you could take a virtual tour of a digital twin of a city like if you know you're going somewhere you get off the train and then you know where you're going before you actually go there that could yeah help and you're getting real-time get updates right that's the other yeah. thing is you can think of those those maps on your phone as digital twins of the of the road network and you can be rerouted as you're moving based on what's going on in the real world all around you and and we don't even think we it tells us to turn right we turn right you know it's sort of like baking a cake now where you don't really know what you're baking until it's done, right? You just know you're going to get there. You don't really know how you're going to get there. You're just going to get there. And and that is, again, you know, when you think about the cognitive load, when you had to work on a map, you know, often you would need a co-pilot that would be following along. Right now, we just drive. The car tells us where to turn. You know, it's much less stressful for us. We don't get lost as often. We don't get stuck in traffic. It just improves you know, our quality of life. And that's really what these whole digital twins and this ability to pull data together. Because at the end of the day, data is about improving people's decisions and people's quality of life and even governments to serve their citizens better for us to understand and gain insight into, you know, all the challenges we have in the world. And digital twins is just one new way of allowing us to get a more realistic view of um, what's what's going on. Wow. Well, as ever, Don, I've loved our chat. It's fascinating. I could talk for another hour on this. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today and providing even more insight than before. Um, if any of our listeners would like more information on this or the podcast, um, the first episode with Safe Software, you can head on over to safe.com. This has been the EM360 podcast. I have been Susan Walsh, the classification guru, and thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.